Hello, Internet, and welcome to episode 73 of Ancient Ways for Modern Days. My name is Andrew, and joined with me today is my peeps, Stephen Klukas and Mr. Michael Freeman. What's up? Mike, how often do you go by Michael? I was just thinking about that. Well, uh... I think some formal documents, and my mom calls me Michael for sure. Okay. Yeah. Like when you're in trouble, does she call you Michael? Or? Yeah, I guess. I mean, growing up, that was definitely the case. But she was also really like, your name's Michael. I named you Michael, not Mike. And so it was kind of a big deal growing up as Michael. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Steven, what, about, what, what, is, what does your mother call you? Usually something along the lines of sweetie. Sweetie? Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. You can see I'm, I'm enthused about that. Right, okay. Do you no, want us my, to call you sweetie? Is my that... family gave me an option, apparently. As the story goes, when, when I entered kindergarten, they asked me, Stevie, do you still want to go by Stevie, or do you want the kids in school to know you as Steven? And I chose to go by Steven. And so I'm not Steve, I'm not Stevie, I am Steven. That's a good okay. choice. Yeah. Right. That's, that's good, man. That's good. Well, guys... We've had Thanksgiving. We had a week off. I am wondering, how are you doing? You had a week off. I, that's true. <laughs> I'm, I, I, well, we had a week off from podcasting. We did. But yeah. I had a week because I was on vacation. It was so good. Listen, if y'all ever have a chance to go hang out at a, on a cabin by a lake somewhere out in eastern Washington, I think you guys should do it. It's peaceful. It's relaxing. There's snow here and there in in November. It's great. Alex sent us a polo from the uh, snow. It oh, was, did he? Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Okay, okay. So, yeah, man, I, I had my vacation. Because I have, listen, I hurt myself this year, and I haven't had a chance to be able to go on vacation until now. So I did it. So, awesome. so what did I miss then, guys? Since I've been gone for a week, what, what what's going on in your what's going on in the church? Are we still a church? What's going on here? Oh, come on! <laughs> <laughs> it's been a great week, man. I mean, you were here for a lot of what happened in the last month, and so we had our annual meeting. We we had a great time sharing communion and approving a budget, and just having some time sharing what God's doing and and answering some questions about the life of the church. Then the the week that same week, so that was on a Sunday night. That yeah. same week, we had a Thanksgiving meal. It just was a joyful time of, of giving thanks to the Lord. Lots of gratitude expressed in that. I mean, that was just, the meal was awesome, but, but really hearing so many people talk about their thankfulness to the Lord was, what a, what a great day. And uh, that led us into Thanksgiving week. Um, I had a really quiet Thanksgiving. We stayed home. We played it kind of quiet and had a nice uh, relaxing day. Not quite vacation, but it was good. Mike, did we end up talking about our, our Thanksgiving or our, I mean, our, our annual meeting last time we podcasted? The last time we podcasted, it was just you and me, right? Because uh, Mr. Kluke is here. That's was, right. Yeah, you were doing your paper. Yep. Are you still working on I'm that? I'm still working on that, man. I have one more week. School. This is the stretch. What a Bible nerd. Right? Yeah. Oh, I'm excited for you, man. It's, it's, it's coming to an end for you. So, but I, I guess what I was just going to say is that uh, I, I just want to emphasize for people... You know, I love November because people always do like that 28 days or 20, like 30 days of thankfulness or whatever. But the truth is, I think we should be practicing thankfulness often. I, the fact that we got together as a church and we celebrated the wins, we talked about baptisms, we talked about how ministries are growing, we talked about all those things. <clears throat> that's such an important thing because it's really, really easy to nitpick any church and what they're doing wrong, right? Because no one's perfect. There's true. no perfect church. There's always going to be a reason to get together and to be like, well, you know what they're not doing right? X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. But how often do people actually get together and say like, hey, you know what? what is happening? Jesus stuff. 
Let's look at let's look at kids who are saying, "Hey, I want to be a missionary." Let's look at kids who are saying, youth who are saying, "Like, hey, I want to I want to stand before my friends and and tell them that I'm a Christian." We should be celebrating that stuff. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah anyway, that's my little soapbox there. Mike had a had a uh, a quiet Thanksgiving. What about you, Stephen? Dude, I had a family Thanksgiving. So, um, the the pattern for the last few years has been that uh, Jess and I go out to her folks' place. And that's like heading out towards Klatsk and I, right? My parents come along. Mm-hmm. And so this year we had all of Jessica's siblings. So she has three brothers, two of them with significant others. There were a total of three kids. And then grandma. Um, yeah, yeah, so we, we had like everybody, right? So it doesn't sound like you had a chill. I did not have a Thanksgiving. chill Thanksgiving. Okay. I had an enjoyable Thanksgiving. And we played board games. And we watched kids shows. And there was a cool thing about this puzzle ball that was really fun. So yeah. But there were stories. But basically, it was just a great time reconnecting with family. Some of whom I hadn't seen since you know, halfway through COVID. And yeah, it's it was just good. That's cool, man. I, I am... Excited for you, Mike. Are you a big griller at all when it comes to like Thanksgiving stuff? All my friends were like, "Oh, this year I'm going to smoke a turkey or smoke a ham and stuff like that." Are you a, are you a, a kind of kind of guy who like takes pride in making the, the for Thanksgiving? No. Yeah, no, okay. no, no. We we do. Uh, we've got a turkey roaster, and so it, we play it easy. It comes out perfect every time, and uh, and so we we like the way way we do that. What's a turkey roaster? It's just a giant pan. Okay. It's a giant pan. It comes with a lid and everything. You plug it in, and uh, that way you can use the oven for everything else you got going uh, oh, that's on. A, that's a, it's like a crock pot, but specifically for a turkey. Kind of. It's yeah, it's much larger. Okay, that's crazy. I'm okay, down. I didn't know that was a thing. It's awesome. So, all right, I gotta have Jessica tell you how she cooked a turkey this last uh, fall because we bought a whole bunch of beef. This is off topic, but we just bought a whole bunch of beef, and we were like, well, we need space in our freezer right mm-hmm. and in our freezer we had two turkeys and so we said well one of these has to go and so we took a turkey out for no reason and just cooked it up and man that bird was amazingly good are you so okay that's cool i typically can't eat turkey throughout the year because i get so turkeyed out on thanksgiving but it sounds like you guys just found a way to just deal with it because it was, it was going to be a waste of money if you well if yeah, you didn't. But yeah even then that's the thing is we get turkeyed out during Thanksgiving, but you never get chickened out. Like, no matter how much chicken you eat, you can always eat more chicken, right? So when it's cooked right, man, turkey's good. That's a I good bird, man. You are true. That's, that's, that's true. So, all right. Is there anything that we should cover that's, that's coming up for, for us as local value folks? Can you think of anything, Mike? You know, I just would encourage folks as we're in, you know, today's the last day of November that we're recording this, right? Yeah, so yeah. we're in the Advent season. And I just would encourage folks to look for the ways that they can... Slow down a little bit mm-hmm. and and focus on the Lord to do some of the right things during the Advent season. I know that there's the busyness of shopping and parties and, and you know, my life group's doing a party, all that, like the busyness of the season, but um, looking for how to make it as meaningful as possible. That would be my encouragement. This last weekend, we started with our Advent candles at church, had uh, just a really wonderful time having some young kids light the candles and... Mm-hmm. Uh, and remember, at least this last weekend, the hope we have in Christ. Yeah. Actually, thank you for reminding me about that, Mike, because actually last year was the first year we introduced Advent candles to our church. And so for anyone who's listening and who would like maybe a refresher on Advent candles and things like that, if you go to our YouTube channel, uh, VCF Longview, just search for that. You'll see our little logo. You can click on that. There's actually a playlist of every Advent video we made last year 
just walking people through how to do that with their families. That is available for you. Yeah. So as a matter of fact, if uh, future Andrew, just make a note, make sure you put a link to that in this podcast and um, we'll, we'll take care of that. And, but yeah, it's there for people to watch because I, I think it is, it's, it's such a special moment to just be able to slow down and give this season its due, you know? And honestly, I think that we are in a prime position this year to make the Christmas season, the Advent season meaningful because last year our culture, our society was big on everybody stay apart, stay separate. Yep. And yep. the year before that, it was all commercialism, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that we've seen now two extremes where it has not been about making the season meaningful. But so this year, we have so much opportunity, right? Just to, to reset. Yeah. I, you are 100% correct, Stephen. And I... It's going to be great. This is going to be a great time just to just reflect because I'm sure there are a lot of people that um, are stressed out as they are thinking about just life and the holidays and everything else. But let's just take a moment to remember God loves us so much that he came after us. That he entered into the hum- hum- to humanity to be with us, to live among us, and to show us what life would be like with him. And then he died for us, you know, but Christ came after us. And uh, let's just, it's, it's, I think it's important to remember that, you know, God is a pursuing God. Speaking of God being a pursuing God, actually that's, we can kind of start talking about God's characteristics, mm-hmm. are we not? So yeah. Mike, you, uh, you pitched the idea of doing um, kind of a systematic theology podcast for a while. We're kind of going over some basic Christian doctrines. And for, I don't know, the last three weeks, we talked about God, how he reveals himself through the word of special revelation. Now, I believe the next step is if God has revealed himself in a very special way, what is it about himself has he revealed in his word? Yeah. And uh, I think that kind of sets you up to talk about the next topic, I guess, in, in that succession. Yeah. So as we continue in this journey of saying, what do we believe? Really? That's what theology is. What do we believe? What is it that as we study God and we say, okay, God's revealed himself in his word. Then the next question is not just what has he revealed, but, but who is he? Like who yeah. is God? And so over the next few weeks, we're going to take some time and, and answer that question, kind of really only scratch the surface of answering that question. But if we, if we have the question, who is God? We, we want to say, okay, well, God, God shows us who he is. God's the one that reveals who he is. And, and so that starts with well, who does God say he is? And so today what I want to do is I want to introduce us to the names, some of God's names in the, in the Old Testament scripture. Um, next week, we're going to expand on this. Today, I really want to focus on the, the one key way that God has revealed himself with his name, and it's the name Yahweh. So before we jump in, why, why are we focusing on names? I guess. Is it, is it because like, is there, is there a belief that like when you are named something that, that, that is uh, kind of the characteristic of that person or what is it about names that we should equate that to God's characteristics? Yeah. Well, because God's names in the scripture, they, they actually usually align with characteristics. Mm -hmm. So when God says, this is my name, or this is what I'm called, he's saying, you can call me this because this is who I am. This reveals who I am. Okay. This explains who I am. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, less, less so for us. Right. Yeah. You know, if I go and say, hey, my name is Michael, people don't know what that means. Right. They just know that my name is Michael. Right. Uh, and so there's even more so for God. God's saying, this is who I am. This is how you can understand me. So God's names aren't just an identifier of his person, but it's also a characteristic. It's, it's him literally revealing himself because he gave himself that name mm-hmm. as opposed to like when your parent gives you a name, they're kind of hoping that you live up to 
that kind of, but this is, this is who God is when he says, this is my name. All right. That makes sense. All right. No, you were going to chime in, Stephen? Oh, it was, it's almost a humorous note. I was uh, going to say, sure, if you say, hi, my name's Stephen, that doesn't mean much. But if somebody were to walk into the room and I can't see who that person is and say, hi, my name's Shaquille O'Neal, I get certain qualities and certain characteristics that immediately leap to mind because I know who that person is, right? And so it's it's the reverse concept here, but it's knowing who God is when he actually says, this is my name, it, it brings those characteristics alive. Okay. I don't know. That's a little bit of a stretch, I think, but that's what came to mind. So the first thing we got to say here then is that Stephen knows who Shaquille O'Neal is. I did. You know, I I had a shirt growing up that had his handprint on the back and his handprint was as big as my head. That's the guy who does all those uh, general general, uh, insurance commercials, right? I don't know. It is. That's, I make I make that joke because now he just does a bunch of commercials. Yeah, he does. And for for the general, right? But yep. he used to be a, a basketballer. Yeah. So <laughs> back to names. Back yeah. to names. Uh, so so God, he, he's got many names. He he calls himself by many different names in the scripture, but there's one core passage that really where God begins to reveal himself with a specific name, and it's in a very incredible situation, and so. I thought what we would do is we'd start with that name, and the name is Yahweh. But to understand this name, we have to back up and we need to understand the story a little bit. And so today's podcast is almost a little bit like just story time, right? So story time takes us all the way to the end of the book of Genesis. Genesis is the first book in the scripture. And at the end of Genesis, you have uh, Joseph. He is, uh, you know, he's been used by God for what, from what his brothers meant for evil when he was sold into slavery. And then he actually became, you know, basically second command over all of Egypt. And so he saved his people from this giant famine that came through the land. And Joseph, Joseph, he's, he's hailed, right? He's an incredible man of God. Wonderful things happen. And Genesis comes to an end. And then you get to the next book. The next book is the book of Exodus. And in Exodus, you find out that lots of years have gone by and Joseph has been forgotten. The fact that he saved not just uh, God's people, but he saved Egypt. It's been forgotten completely. And um, the Israelites, they have multiplied. And so there's, there's many, many Israelites. And the Egyptians begin to oppress the Israelites. And so they enslave them. And they forced them into labor, hard, you know, backbreaking labor. And this is their situation. And not only are they enforced or, you know, put into slavery, uh, they're still multiplying. And so Pharaoh's like, there's too many Egyptians. We got to do something. And so he actually, he commands that the sons, whenever an uh, Israelite woman has sons, he commands that the sons are to be, they're to be slaughtered, right? Yeah. And so this is, this is a dire situation. But one of these kids that's born is Moses. And Moses is born and his parents try to hide him. And when they can't hide him, they try to, you know, basically they they send him up the river. And and in God's providence, Moses actually is adopted and he's adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. And so Moses becomes the prince of Egypt, right? A prince of Egypt. Mm -hmm. There's the the Disney movie really based off this story. Yeah. It's literally called the prince of Egypt. It's a DreamWorks movie. Is it? Yeah, not a Disney movie. Shows what I know, right? Yeah, that's okay. I Thanks, had Andrew, though. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so Moses grows up in splendor. 
Mm-hmm. Mo- Moses grows up with uh, education, with privilege, with power, all of those things. And, uh, and then Moses, he ends up fleeing after killing an Egyptian. And so Moses, who is you know, basically miraculously saved in, in, in childhood and then raised in this incredible privilege, he then flees and he goes into the wilderness. And that's where our story picks up today. Moses has now been in the wilderness. He is a shepherd, and I think Stephen's got his Bible open to Exodus chapter 3. And so what I want to do is I want to just kind of slowly read through this, and I might interrupt you a little bit, and just we might have some conversation about this, but but Exodus chapter 3, Moses is tending sheep. Why don't you take it away? That's right. So starting in chapter 3, I'm reading out of the ESV. Says, now Moses was keeping the flock of his father in law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Yeah, let's stop there for just a second. So this is incredible. What, what you have is Moses, just an average ordinary day, right? He's going to work, he's taking care of the sheep, and, and now he sees this, this bush that's burning, but not burning. It's engulfed in flames, but it's not being burnt up. And it says that the angel of the Lord is in it, but it actually is, it's actually talking about God himself. Because Moses, he he's recognizes he should not even look at this thing because he's looking at God. And it's God's voice that's speaking to him. And God, you know, Moses starts to come near and God says, no, 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 no. Take off your sandals. You are on holy ground. Well, what makes it holy? Well, it's the presence of the Lord. God in his holiness is right there before Moses. And so we can go ahead and keep going. Yes. Picking it uh, back up in verse seven. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. Yeah. So God says, I know what's going on with my people. I, I hear, I hear they're, they're crying out to me. I know they're suffering. I've remembered them. I, I, I'm, I'm going to come care for them. And I'm actually going to rescue them. I'm going to take them out of slavery and I'm going to deliver them into the promised land. This is, this is a type of salvation that's being laid out before us right now. He's saying, I'm going to rescue my people from slavery and bring them into a place of salvation. This is really a type of what Christ does for us, right? Christ has rescued us out of the slavery of our sin and led us into salvation in him. But let, let's keep going. Verse 9, And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. 
Keep going. Yep. Verse 13. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of our fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. There you go. Let's stop right there. Now, this is, this is fascinating, right? Moses, his first response is, Who am I? Right? And then his next response is, well, who, who are you? And this is where God identifies himself. This is where God gives his self-revelation for who he is. This is where he says, I am, I am that I am. Now, this is a phrase that signifies God's pre-existence, right? That God's ever-present nature. He, he's saying, I am the one who always is. Um, this is God revealing something about him. He, yeah. He's not like the other gods of Egypt. He's not temporal. He's not, uh, you know, he's not, um, he's not weak or lower. He, mm-hmm. he is, he is the, the God is what he's saying. Right. I was just thinking like, when you read this in the Bible, you see that there, in, in every Bible that I've ever read, this section, it, the, the words I am are always italicized differently, or they're always in a different font just to emphasize there is something unique. There is something special being revealed here. He's not saying I was, or I will be. It's the great constant. I yeah. am ever present. It was just interesting before all this, uh, Mike, Steve and I were talking about the names of, of these things and you and I ended up talking about like superheroes and how, um, sometimes we attribute like things of God to superheroes and things like that. And you, you shared like some people are immortal, right? Right. But then we were saying that, but then I realized like actually God isn't immortal because he's, he's eternal because immortal means you're born into the world, but then you live forever. But in this section, God is saying he, there's no beginning and there's no end. It is a constant. He is eternal yeah. in this. And this name is a name of reverence. <laughs> this is a name that the the Israelites people, they took great care around it. In, okay. in fact, you know, in the, the Hebrew language, that the vowels are a tricky thing, right? And, uh, and so they're not even sure what the vowels for this word are. All they know is the consonants for it. And so it's actually called the Tetragrammaton, and it's made up of, of four vowels in the Hebrew language. And those four vowels put together, they make the, the sound Yahweh. Okay. Yahweh, right? And so this is where we get, you people, you've heard from time to time someone call God Yahweh. Yahweh. Mm-hmm. That comes from right here, this portion of scripture where God is saying, let me tell you who I am. I am the eternal one. I am, I'm Yahweh. I am that I am. Mm-hmm. I am the preexistent, eternal, everlasting to everlasting God. And it has all sorts of implications, which are other names we can talk about that are connected to it. But this is, this is where God starts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that this is a this is a historical moment, right? This is not just a random, you know, event. This is a specific historical moment when the people of God, the Israelites, they're enslaved, they're in captivity, and Moses, he's basically self-banished himself and he is a he's he's a nobody. Mm-hmm. And and so I think it's really interesting to see the interplay as God and Moses have conversation here because it helps us understand how important God and his name is. Because Moses' first question, when God says, I'm going to send you back to Egypt, you're going to bring my people out. Here's your sign. Your sign is you're going to stand and worship me right here with the people. He says, who am I? He, he basically says, I'm nobody, God. Mm-hmm. He says, you realize I'm, I'm worthless. And, uh, and I think it's, it's really important to recognize in this moment, even when we feel that way, it doesn't matter who we are. 
it wasn't Moses' character that mattered right here. Mm -hmm. It wasn't Moses' strength that mattered right, right here. It wasn't his intellect. It wasn't his power. He had no power. He was basically a weak older man at this point. And when God, when God calls him, God called him because of his own purpose, because of his own name, mm -hmm. not because of who Moses is, right? And so yep. that's his first question. Who am I? Well, it doesn't matter who you are. What, what really matters is God is Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Which that, that plays into why all the glory belongs to the Lord, right? You, you talked about like, you know, there are times when we feel like we're nobody. And oftentimes uh, that's kind of the right way to approach God is that we are nobody. We shouldn't be coming to God with a puffed up chest because he is the great constant. He is the great I am. That's right. And uh, I don't know. I, I think about like, because to be ever constant means in many ways you're, you're not dependent on anything else right. too. And that always reminds me of that illustration we talk about, like God who is who he is. We as Christians, people who follow God, we didn't make this God up. We don't, we don't make up these attributes. God has revealed these things to us. It doesn't matter if we believe it or not. He is who he is. He is the great I am. And because he's completely independent of people, He's just going to continue to be whoever he is. And we have the privilege to recognize how great and how awesome he is. And that's amazing to me that that's what he wants. To, like the first time someone asks like, well, who are you? That's what he reveals. of It's like, I am the great I am. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And uh, this even connects to our theme earlier. We were just talking about gratitude. This makes me so grateful as someone who, you know, we, we get this incredible privilege to care for people in our church mm -hmm. and it doesn't rest on us. It's not about us being, you know, certain kind of skill or a certain kind of intellect. It all boils down to the fact that we're just trying to walk in faith and say, God, we're going to step into this situation and we're going to trust that you are, you're Yahweh, you're God. And, uh, th there's great hope in that. And it's not just for pastors, right? Yeah. It spills over into your family. And so I think about the, the parents who are learning how to disciple their kids in home. I think about the dad who's learning how to lead his family in devotions or in prayer. And you feel, man, I'm terrible at this, or I don't know where to start, or I'm really nervous about this, or what if I mess things up? Well, guess what? God is, he is the, he is constant, right? He yeah. is, he is, I am, he is Yahweh and he is there with you. He's called you to do these things. And they don't depend ultimately on you. Mm -hmm. They ultimately depend on God showing, showing us that he is with us. Right. Great hope in that. Great encouragement in that message. Yeah. I thank you for sharing that because I think people often forget, like, we have this great call to serve and to further the kingdom of the great I am. And oftentimes we think to ourselves, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a life group leader. Or maybe we have this burden on our hearts to step into something. And we like, we think, well, who am I to do that? It doesn't, but you're right. It doesn't matter who you are. And I would even argue this. I would argue that any pastor who thinks, well, I'm going to do this because I am the pastor. Well, they're not looking at the right. I am. They shouldn't, they're, they need to be look at God, not themselves. Cause I, I've worked with both of you for a while now. And I, I, I have, we all have our moments where we're like, well, who am I to, why am I doing what we're doing right now? I, I know for me, when I, whenever we like get the chance to preach, it's an honor. I, there's oftentimes I get up there and I'm like, who am I to be doing this right now? Because it's not on our authority that we're doing this. We're doing this out of obedience. And we're just hoping and knowing that God's going to work through that. And so that's the same, like you said, for any parent walking their child through raising them. Any 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 person leading children's ministry who like doesn't have a background with children, but is just doing the best they can. 
I think that is a great encouragement to know that God is the great constant. Yeah. And that's even great for people who have like abandonment issues. Really, if you think about those times where someone has like lost a father or a parent and then you get like a teacher that speaks into your life, but then also you graduate and you don't have that teacher anymore. I've seen that God has been constant mm-hmm. in my life with as many different father figures I've had. God has been the great I am, the great constant right. through all of that. So I, I don't know. There's a lot to be thankful for in that statement. So. There, there is loads. And, and this gets, you know, we can go down deep theological rabbit holes, right? Because there's uh, the, the angel of the Lord that you see there, which we actually know is God and God is showing himself in some way. And, and uh, because, you know, he calls himself the angel of the Lord, and then we find out that it actually is God. Well, mm-hmm. then there's some sort of an appearance in that burning bush, potentially the appearance of a man. There's many things that this Yahweh, this appearance of Yahweh is actually, uh, uh, it's Jesus. Yeah, it's Christophany, Jesus, right? Yeah, we call that, yeah. Demonstrating his presence, right? And there, there's, I think there's a good case to believe that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so all of this connects to Jesus as our savior mm-hmm. through his death and resurrection. But again, going back to that, that type as the savior of the people of Israel, again, the I am is the one that saves us. Mm-hmm. He's the one that rescues us. He's the one that redeems us. He's the one that brings us out of our slavery and brings us into the promised land, not of, you know, America or the 21st century, the promised land of eternal life with him. Right. Again, because of who he is, he is Yahweh. He is, I am. You know, and in addition to that, uh, you know, I, I write a little bit for fun. I spend a lot of time thinking about names, right? And names are a unique identifier that separates one character from another or one person from another. But when God says, my name is I am, I mean, if you simplify that saying I exist or I am present or any of those things that you want to say, he's also saying there is no other being that can lay claim to this reality, to this to this title. There is no other that can say I exist. So he's he's actually in a very real sense affirming the fact that he, there is none like him. He is the living God. Yeah. And then he ends up going and proving that, right? Yeah. So when Moses ends up finally going to Pharaoh and saying, you know, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, I'm not going to let them go. And then God brings 10 plagues upon him in, in judgment of their belief system and judgment of their you know, their idolatrous ways and their gods who they pale in comparison to the power of Yahweh, right? He, yeah. he is, he is God, yeah. period. Mm-hmm. You know, I, can I, can I share an observation I'm, I'm seeing as I'm looking at the scripture real quick? So backing up to Exodus chapter three, verse nine, it says, and now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me and I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. You know, we talk about how God is the great I am. He is the great constant. And what's, what that jumps out at me is the idea that God hears the oppression, the struggle of his people. So even those moments, I can, I can only imagine for Israel too, for however many years they were enslaved, they could have been wondering, like, well, where is God? Does he even, does he even hear our prayers? Does he hear our cries? And he does. He is constant. He is present in those things. But yet it's a reminder here that God, God waits and he plots and he plans so that he gets the most glory in, in all that. Because he's, it's, it's, this is when he starts to make his moves. And now he's starting to reveal himself. And now he's starting to show people who he is and it's going to be revealed to the world. It's written down for us because of this incident for generations upon generations to come and see. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm reading this and I'm just reminded that like even in life right now, when we 
feel like God is far away. He isn't. He is ever-present, ever-constant. And I think that's something that we need to hold on to. Yeah. Yeah. You can almost summarize it like this idea that God is, he is present. He is God. Mm -hmm. He's there as God in your hurt. He heard their groaning and their crying. If you go back to chapter two, it says he he knew. Yeah. He knew, right? He knew what they were going through. He's present in that hurt and that pain, but he's also present in the calling. Mm -hmm. You think about the calling of Moses. Hey, Moses, it's time to step up. It's time to stop hiding. It's time to step out in faith and and to follow me into the unknown and to some difficulty. And you can do it not because of how good you are, but because because I'm God and I'm with you. Yeah. And so this is really God revealing himself in his ever-present nature. It's It ends up coming to be a call to faith and to trust and to action mm-hmm. because of who he is. Yeah, that is a great reminder. I think, I think we are opening up something very large as we were about to jump into the topic of the, the name of God. But I, I, I feel like it'd be very appropriate for us now that uh, maybe to... Kind of maybe to start landing t- today's podcast because I-, I think it would be beautiful if people listening to this right now would just reflect on how constant God truly is mm-hmm. in their lives. I think in the next episode we're going to start looking at like all the different attributes of how God is constant and and in- in- present in our lives. But I think it would be very appropriate for us to just really meditate on how God has revealed Himself to be the Great I Am. What do, what do you guys think about that? Yeah. So I guess with that said, Mike, would you, um, let's go ahead and bring it to a close then. Would you pray for our listeners and just pray that they would know that God is ever present? Yep. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and we come to you knowing that your spirit dwells in us. And we thank you that you are, you are the one true God. You are Yahweh. You are the one who has always been, who always will be. And we thank you that as, as the one true God, you care for us. You hear us in our, in our cries and in our pain. You, you know the difficulties we face and you don't leave us alone in those moments. You don't abandon us to, to figure out things uh, based on our own earthly wisdom, but instead you were, you were ever present. You were Yahweh. You were God right there with us, walking with us, teaching us, training us. And God, I pray that you would continue to lead us in those difficulties. And Father, I pray also that because you are, because you're Yahweh, because you're the one true God, I pray that we would have hope and courage in our difficulties. And I also pray that we would walk in faith. I pray for our listeners that they would they would see this reminder of who you are as, as a call upon their lives to be courageous, to, to do the things that you've called them to do that maybe are scary and difficult. I, I pray that this would cause them to be bold in their faith, that they would be willing to talk about Jesus with their, their family and their friends and their coworkers. Father, I pray that this would lead them to become faithful in their, their own devotions. I pray that this would result in moms and dads caring for their children and, and discipling them, opening up the scripture, even if they've never done it before, or even uh, praying with their children, even though they're worried that they might not know how to do it right. I pray that you, in your ever-present nature, will give us that courage to walk in faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Ancient Ways for Modern Days, a ministry of Valley Christian Fellowship. If you'd like to check out more resources or even connect with us, go to vcflongview.org.